Welcome to Finish Lines and Milestones with Allie Brettnacher. Incredible stories and tales of triumphs with everyday people achieving their goals in fitness. This podcast brought to you by Athlete Bouquets. Celebrate finish lines and milestones of the people that you love by visiting athletebouquets.com. Hello, and welcome to episode four of Finish Lines and Milestones. This is Allie Brettnucker, and we are lucky we got this episode done because Whitney and I both separately almost went to the ER the morning that we met and recorded this, and uh, her for slicing her finger while she was slicing a bagel. And for me, I get allergy shots, and I had an allergic reaction, and on my way to the Carmel Library where we recorded, I went to CVS to get some more allergy medicine, and... um, Thankfully, didn't have to use my EpiPen or go through all of that and made it to the library. And we had so much fun recording this. Whitney and I actually, you'll hear, we knew each other long ago, um, but since have reconnected. And I'm so happy to have her as a friend. And you will love hearing about somebody who is actually a little different than the normal guests on this podcast because Whitney's actually won a marathon <laughs> and she has qualified for the Olympic trials. So we dive into that and a lot of other topics, one of which is so important these days, and that's mental health. So I hope you really love this conversation with Whitney Bevins. Okay, back at the Carmel Library in an audio recording room with Coach Whitney Bevins. Hello, everyone. So Whitney and I, well, we actually met way back when, in high school, believe it or not, Whitney also went to Westfield High School, go Shamrocks, and I was in her sister Allison's grade. We were recording this on Allison's birthday. Happy birthday, Allison. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday, Allison. Belated now once this comes out, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Whitney and I then re-met when I started working at Fleet Feet in Carmel, and I remember the manager was telling me about this woman he had just hired, and oh, she went to Westfield. I mean, you know her, and but her married last name I didn't recognize until then I got to work with her, and I was like, holy shit. Whitney Bevins. Hey. So now we're friends again, and it's great. And I have since left the running store, but I knew that I had to have her on the show, obviously. Whitney is not necessarily your everyday person because she is a force in her level of talent, but she has, she inspires the hell out of me. And so hopefully she will inspire the hell out of you. Olympic trials qualifier. So we'll, we'll talk about that story. We're going to talk about mental health, her love of dogs, coaching, future of coaching, Peace Corps, all the things. I'm going to steal all your thunder. Sorry. I like it. Yeah, it's been in a probably a non-conventional path since since probably about the age of 22. What is conventional anyway? <laughs> Fuck that. I'm just <laughs> dropping I'm dropping the F bomb within like the it. first 2 minutes. All right, I'm comfortable now. Okay, cool. We can just relax. <laughs> it's weird looking at we're just looking at each other wearing my, you know, headphones and Well, we just spent 2 hours together. It was not awkward at all. And then you put headphones on and it's a little uncomfortable. And then all of a sudden you're like, "Oh god." It's okay. There's 10 people listening, including my mother. Sorry, mom, I said the F word. Yeah. She knows though. Apologize in advance. Yeah. So, let's we'll just start this just taking it from the beginning for you. Okay. Kind of give me the rundown of growing up, how you grew up, how you got into running. I know some of the stories already, mm-hmm. but our listeners are anxious to get to know you. So lay it on us. Buckle up. Buckle up. <laughs> Let's see. Well, uh, I guess really it was probably my dad. Uh, I was about eight years old. He was a Marine and continued running after his service. And I think just, you know, I don't know how typical it is, but we were required to do, <laughs> we were required to run and do pull-ups and push-ups. 
Around the house? Yeah, yeah. We had a pull-up bar, and he would ride the bike next to us, or he would, you know, drive behind us. We were just, I don't know, we were required to run. And, and was that you and Allison? No, probably more just me. I don't know if anybody <laughs> else had to go through that. Um, <laughs> but then, I well, it would have been, I don't know, sixth, sixth grade at Westfield. You could do track and cross country, and so I tried it. And turned out I was decent at it, and I, I guess found out I was also pretty competitive, and so it seemed to seemed to just fit. And then that was it. I continued with the school, and then again had just seemed kind of like a natural natural ability. I like to push myself, and it was a way to I don't know, yeah, be competitive, probably get attention positively, you know, from from parents. You know, I found that if I ran well, I got attention. So it, it kind of just it all just continued naturally, I suppose, in mm-hmm. high school. Did you play any other sports? Uh, no. Well, no, team, no. <laughs> I, I, no, don't play well with others. <laughs> <laughs> I did, no, I did dance. I did ballet and gymnastics for, I don't know, probably 10 years before before going into running fully, so. Ballet? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Right I can't really picture that. <laughs> Do you still know your moves? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm long and lanky, so I don't know. It's like, but long and lanky. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's a really weird description. Yeah, no. Yeah, I was I loved it. I loved well, probably more gymnastics because it was more fast-paced. And ballet at the time was probably a little boring, but I was probably better at it than I was gymnastics. So, but then, I don't know. You get into school and just you couldn't do both. So, yeah. Second so pick one. Mm-hmm. For is is there a moment in your mind in running where you like realized you were good at it or was it just something you realized right away? Mm, I think probably it was either sixth or seventh grade county meet in so yeah middle school I was one of the top finishers in the county you know which again at the even at the time Hilton County was still probably more competitive than a lot of areas in the state and I think the Carmel high school coach came up to my parents and I think kind of like who is your daughter and (laughs) oh so I think briefly there was some talk of possibly going to Carmel because Westville didn't really you know we were still small farm town Mm -hmm. so I think in that probably that meet was where I was like realized that I was a pretty good runner and what, for those who are, I don't know, aren't familiar with track as mm-hmm. a sport, what, which event, is events the right, I mean, I even ran track, but I forget, events in track, right? Like yeah. races? Yeah, or what, so, so which, which... I, in high school, had the most success in the two mile, the 3200. Okay, okay, 3200. Um, I finished sixth, I, I think I finished sixth one year, ninth another year, and unfortunately fell one year and finished, I think, 11th or 13th. In the uh, state? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Just casually. Yeah. So that was kind of my meet. Casually. Or my event for track, and I ran cross country. I don't love cross country as much, but I was all state. I don't know, uh, twice in cross country. Is cross country always the same distance? Yeah. Well, okay. if so, back when I was running, it was four k, and then maybe two thousand six or seven Indiana switched over to five k. So okay, so every course mm-hmm. that's cross yep. country is five k. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't know that. I never ran cross country mm-hmm. because I hated running. Yeah. So now I now, now look at me I love it I know, I know you love it <laughs> and now I have a running podcast who would have thought I love it you're, you're amazing I <laughs> okay okay so so that will lead us to college mm-hmm. so did you run in college I did for a period I uh, was recruited well I ended up ultimately uh, Indiana University was there for well I graduated from there but only ran there actually a couple of years uh, I had some injuries early on and I I don't know just didn't love running collegiately I didn't particularly get along with my coach Mm. and just you know at that that was the first time in my life I think I was experiencing you know whatever just 
new new classes, new friends, you know, uh, found kind of a love for outdoors. And I don't know, just also, yeah, a period where I just wanted to kind of learn other things. I was, mm-hmm. had run a long time and run competitively a long time. And I think the break was, yeah, I was happy I could just kind of be on my own and be able to, I think, find running eventually on my own and not just because I was on a team. So. Yeah. So did you run the same, the 3200 in college? So in, yeah, collegially it's a 3K, 5K, and then 10K. Okay. Um, I did the 3K in, like, in the 1500. I did run cross country. Um, I never actually, I've, I've never done a 10K on the track. So Ooh. That's, that's still something I kind of want to kind of Kind of want to do? Yeah. Okay, yeah. crazy lady. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. So yeah, I would say I didn't have much of a college career. Like, the couple of years I did run, I was injured for one. Okay. Um, so really, it's yeah, it's it's not mentionable. When did you graduate college? Oh three. Oh three. So, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then, okay. So obviously, then there was quite a long break between when you graduated from IU and ultimately your your Olympic trials qualifying mm-hmm. marathon. But before I skip too much, yeah. Like, what did you do after um, college? I, mean, I, I still, I don't know. Running, I just running's ingrained in me at this point, or always was. So I was still running on my own. Some, I think, I ran my first half marathon in college again I wasn't being coached I just ran ran the dist yeah and just did it did the you mini- like did you do well at that I don't even remember okay. I just did the mini marathon I couldn't okay. tell you what what I did you don't have a spreadsheet that says all your finish times because no, no, no. I do no. I, just, <laughs> yeah. I think I think it's normal um, <laughs> okay good. yeah no I'm terrible <laughs> at keeping track of anything so no I just remember I did it uh I just remember I knew I had to run longer than I had trained before yeah and that's it Okay. And then, no, but, and then, let's see. But then, again, this kind of, I guess, leads into Peace Corps because I yeah. didn't run really at all in the Peace Corps. So that was really the first time really fully away from any type of training since I was eight years old. What made you decide to go into the Peace Corps? I just wanted to travel. Okay. Uh, I wanted to travel. I like languages. Uh, I was really hoping to actually go to Latin American, like become fluent in Spanish because I had was working for the state downtown at a Hispanic health clinic. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, and so I got, I was really, like, getting pretty proficient in the Spanish language and wanted to use it further. Um, but then I got assigned to the South Pacific, so not exactly what it no, Not exactly. Yeah. What did they speak in the South Pacific? Uh, just, it's their native language. Uh, where I was living, uh, the, the language is Gilbertese or Ecaribus. What? Um, okay. Yeah, so the country is Caribous, so they speak Ecaribus. So formerly they were known as the Gilbert Islands. Okay. Uh, when they became independent, they went back to, I guess their name, uh, Kiribati. Okay, I'm trying to picture where that is even on a map. You say South um, Pacific, in, just in the middle. I guess technically it's Central Pacific, but it's irrelevant. Uh, it's three hours. From, it's a three-hour flight from Fiji, a three-hour flight from Brisbane, Australia, and a fleet, about a three-hour flight from Auckland, New Zealand. Jeez. So, okay. So it's so, like out there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Middle. Middle. Yeah. Literally, you could see the ocean like. Standing on one like one side of the island, you could you could see across to the to the ocean. So, it's, yeah, were it's you funny. did that ever bother you? Was that ever scary? Uh, there were yeah, there were a couple times you could if you were so basically I slept in a hut, and you could hear the the change in tide as it was coming in and out. And there were times if there was um, now because it's an atoll, the uh, coral reef protects the island from essentially like any. Wait, what was that word you just used? Atoll. The yeah, so it's an atoll. I guess essentially a volcano formed. Okay. The island, uh, but the coral reef protects the island. I mean, again, even it's so small, it protects any big waves. Like the waves break on the coral reef before they can get to the oh. island. Oh. 
but you could hear a change in tide. Like I know a couple times there was a tsunami, and I think in Tonga, um, which is another island country, ways away, but you we would get the the kind of the aftermath of that. So you would hear the the change in tides, and it is scary, yeah, yeah, because you're on an island at sea level in the middle. Of, I mean, if one wave would literally wipe out the the country. So okay. that's just kind of a scary feeling. Yeah. So when you join the Peace Corps, you're assigned, so you don't really have any say over where you're assigned? You can request, uh, because I was specifically a professional, or I guess a registered dietitian. Right, I was okay. entering as a health professional. Yep. Um, so the openings were a little bit more specific instead of just be going as a general health volunteer. Uh, so I did request Latin America, but was they had a nutrition opening in the South Pacific, so okay. I, I accepted. And, and that's two years. Yep. Mm-hmm. Two yeah. years you live in a hut. So is there electricity yeah. there? Uh, yeah, yeah, some. There's some. Plumbing, like plumbing? Yeah, some, but, you know, not, there's a lot of, uh, you know, bucket showers. You, okay. You know, you have a bucket and a well, and and then toilet is a hole or sometimes the beach. Okay. So you just wait out in the water and yeah. do your thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were just, there were places kind of just known as that's where people would use the restroom. So I'm picturing it as, like, the tiniest island in the face of the earth. How many people live there? The country itself is a hundred thousand people, roughly. But that's over. That's that's like, and again, I could. I'm this is wrong information, but that's over like ten to twelve islands. Okay, so right. So I lived on the capital island of Tarawa. Okay. Um, and there were maybe twenty thousand people on that island. Okay. So from point to point, I mean, imagine it's like a C-shaped. Yeah. Okay. Island. From point to point, it was maybe five miles. Oh my gosh. So it's yeah, very small. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Have you, well, I mean, I guess you'd never go back because no, there's no reason. Uh, yeah. Because no. there's not like a resort, like an all-inclusive right I in mean, the I mean, I have family <laughs> and I still keep in touch with. I just FaceTime with family that still lives there. And That's cool. But it's the travel. It's so expensive to go and the travel is extensive and uh, it's, yeah, it's just a lot of money. So. Okay. So like two years of your life where you're not running at all. Did you run on the beach a little bit? No, a very little. I mean, it's a, so again, it's an equatorial atoll, so it's right on the equator. So it's just. Oh, it's hot as fuck. Yeah, that's really um, hot. Sorry, mom. Um, and yeah, so it's just Mr. I mean, yeah, for interesting. any type of real running, knows. And, and it's just so narrow, right? There's like one road. It's you know basically not safe to for, one for a female either. It's not culturally appropriate. Okay. To be on your just, own like that. Yeah. Or just, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, two years of not running. So as long as I've been away from the sport. And I would say so for you know kind of getting into mental health stuff. That was the first time. I probably experienced real depression. And again, that was just a learning experience. I became extremely depressed. Uh, and that was probably like one of the first times later realizing the connection for me at least with running and your nutrition and yeah. yeah, and kind of just, yeah, mental health. Uh, I, again, I mean, it's a very isolating experience too. So, I mean, there were a lot of factors, but, and some people thrive there. There are other volunteers that loved it. They love the island life, didn't mind the heat, you know, but I think for me running, I just, I love running so much that it wasn't a great environment. Yeah, um, that would be hard. And how many other Americans were you around? Um, or like, I think so. There's kind of a group of volunteers that comes about every six months. And okay. I, I, there's maybe ten to thirteen in each group. Yeah, that would be uh, tough. There's a group of education volunteers and a group of health volunteers. Now, again, some people leave after the first week. You you know you just get there and you're like, nope, not for me. And then so there were people that were there a week. There were people that left after a couple months. You know, so mm-hmm. very you weren't like. You didn't have to stay the full two years. Yeah. Um, you know, because it, it was an extreme environment to live in. But, but you didn't quit. Even though no, you I'm became... Stubborn. No, I'm really yeah, stubborn. Okay. Um, probably to, yeah, to a fault. 
Uh, I'm competitive and very stubborn. And even though I was absolutely miserable, I was like, nope. I'm going to do it. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I wish, again, if I could go back, I would have left sooner. But that's just wow. how I operate, I suppose. Did you realize at the time that was depression? Like, did you um, understand? I think to, I got to a point where, yeah, I realized what it was. Yeah. I was like, this isn't good. I don't. Well, I don't want to leave my room or, you know, whatever. Yeah. I don't want to see people. I don't want to talk to people. I, I'm not happy. You know, I just want to stay to myself. Uh, so not many people know this. So Ooh. probably, again, given my running background and love of running, uh, I actually started smoking on the island. So, again, that's probably how low I got. It was like. What did you smoke? Cigarettes. Okay. Yeah. Like, oh, that's funny to yeah. picture. Mm-hmm. It was. Do you, so you, do you ever do that anymore now? No. Like even if you drink, you have a no. cigarette? No. <laughs> no. But I just, yeah, it was a weird thing, a weird habit. Again, part culturally. Right. Like, a lot of people smoke on the island, but I was, like, I was like, well, you know, fuck it, I guess. Well, when I went to Munich mm-hmm. last December, sorry, yeah. mother, mm-hmm. um, we just bought cigarettes and smoked like we were Europeans just mm-hmm. for fun. Because yeah. it was like everybody in Europe smokes. It's mm-hmm. mind-blowing. So yeah. I could see how, you know, island culture was kind of mm-hmm. like, okay, that's what people do here, so yeah. I'm going to... But yeah, that's funny. Did you feel the effects of that at all? When I think you got so. Back? Yeah, yeah, definitely. yeah. I was like, oh, this, yeah, I'm clearly not a, a regular. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, that is funny. Mm-hmm. Yep, not many people. Probably exclusive, know. exclusive so, here. Mm, this is yeah, this only heard here. <laughs> only heard here. <laughs> yes, I love that. Yeah. So, so um, okay, so two years. So that would be like 2005. Yep. So you I get came back. back in 07. Okay, and then what did you do when you got back? Well. It, yeah, I I really struggled, um, and I learned again so much of this hindsight. Learned that there it's not uncommon actually a lot of Peace Corps volunteers, again, and I in no way want to compare our experience to military coming back. Only that I learned later that just a lot of volunteers struggle with uh, reacclimation to coming back home after being in a third world country. I imagine there are similar depression issues. You know, you're kind of a changed person um, trying to fit back in this. You know, it's like everybody's life moved on. And in a way, my life kind of stayed the same in those two years. Yeah. And so, yeah, just trying to reacclimate was really difficult. Uh, some Again, some people handled it okay. I really struggled. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I had kind of lost running. I'd lost my community there. Yeah, I would say I was lost for a long time. I mean, I, whatever, you know, I got a job and in I was in dialysis working as a dietitian. That was all fine, but I wasn't like I was still pretty unhappy, gosh, for a long time. So, like, that was, like, probably the first time I really had to deal and learn, like, okay, that this is actual depression and, like, I need help. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, had some experiences where I was cutting myself regularly and was like, well, this isn't normal. Um, you know, I would couldn't get out of bed. I was crying all the time. And I was like, yeah, okay. Like, I need help. So that was the first time I think I recognized, like, again, it was severe enough that I finally went to a doctor to, again, seek counseling, both counseling and and medication help. Did the Peace Corps not have any resources for you? Like, Um, you'd think that if they would have to know that they're volunteers. You know, looking back, not not for post. Now, if you were in service, I mean, you had medical services while you were there. Okay. Um, But when you leave, no. And again, again, they do a lot to prepare you for your service. But again, in talking to a lot of volunteers who returned, like, there wasn't a lot of Again, yeah, like talk of what it's going to be like when you get home, you get home or, yeah. you know, how to, um, yeah, there was not a lot of help post, post-service, so. Yeah, gosh, that's. But, and again, I, you know, some people had it all figured out. They had grad school lined up and you were probably better off for it to have that yeah. to come back to. I just didn't know what I wanted to do. So, yeah. um, kind of floundered a bit until I, uh, got, yeah, got some help. So. Good for you for getting help. 
So, yeah, I mean, no, I had to. Like, it yeah. Was, and then it kind of what, again, what ultimately led me to get back into running uh, and helped me, and I guess ironically, was, so I came back in 07, and then my dad killed himself in 2009. Um, and so, again, ultimately there's, again, your, you know, hindsight, you learn about family history. I'm like, why does nobody talk about this? <laughs> You know, why have I been struggling so long only to realize that my father was struggling, you know, and just nobody wants to have that conversation. Um, but I guess luckily for me, like his passing one, like helped get me back into running, um, which I think ultimately was, again, and I'm an advocate for medication, uh, whatever is best for anybody going through. But for me running, I realized that that time was just something like I had to do to one to stay healthy but I think two to cope with you know his passing mm-hmm. um and really haven't I guess left it since like it's you know I think for me it's it obviously when I started as a as a kid it was it was a school activity it was you know competition and then it's you know it's like it's a necessity now for me mm-hmm. um like I have to run and um, or I need, you know, if I'm hurt, I have to, I know I have to do something to kind of, that's similar, I guess, in terms of just, you know, for whatever, happy chemicals, for dopamine, you know, norepinephrine, mm-hmm. you know, for the production of those, for me, anyway, like I have to run. And uh, it's just kind of now a part of me. Did your, did your, because because of the timing of this, did your dad know that you yourself mm-hmm. were struggling and getting yeah. help? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Did you we, ever talk about it? We did. So I actually, yes. So. I wrote a poem after he died, like shortly after he died, and it's the timing of it as such is it's interesting because he recognized for the first time I think my depression, mm. Um, mm. but I think he saw it as different than his. I think he saw what I was going through as like more of a like an illness, and but he I think maybe generationally generationally he was sixty he was in Vietnam, mm. uh, you know he's a Vietnam veteran. I think he saw what he was struggling with as more just part of who he was. That's just you know it's just who I am it's not something to figure out or seek help for but I think he recognized for me it was different um which I've always thought was strange that he couldn't see yeah help for himself in a way um but he knew I needed it so we did we had several conversations and several where I got angry I was like I'm just like you you know like yeah um how can you not see that and um, I did, and also remember there being just a lot of kind of arguments of, so my grand, his father, my, my paternal grandfather also killed himself. And so, you know, I was really frustrated, like this, you know, it's been going on now for years and years and years and years, and nobody has these conversations. And again, I realized it's just one family side of it, right? Like, um, so yeah, I was frustrated. I was like, nobody talks about this. Nobody has these conversations. Mm-hmm. And I'm struggling, and why does nobody want... I don't know. I, I guess I was frustrated that nobody had recognized, or specifically him, that he couldn't recognize that I was struggling, given that he had struggled for such a long time. So, yeah, ultimately, I guess in the, po- the poem talks about that, like how ultimately I was really struggling. And as I was finally kind of the poem, yeah, as finally as I became alive again is when he died. So we was almost like we, in a strange way, like traded places in a sense. So, yeah, but, but yeah, but it, again, it, it got me back to running, which I'm grateful for. Um, I think I devoted, again, when he died, I, 
it, it took a while. That was a nine. I mean, I didn't, I wasn't even thinking about the Olympic trials at that point or even marathoning. Mm. Um, I just knew, like, I needed to do something, something. to, uh, what, I mean, I think I partly got back into running. I, I didn't realize it was a healing thing for me at the time. I think I, he got me into running, and I think in a way to honor him, I got back into running. I think that made him proud. Yes, yeah. And so I wanted to Continue make him to proud. That. So, and then, then it just evolved. I got back into running and started kind of doing some racing again. I was in Colorado when he passed, and then I moved back to Indiana in, well, later in 2009 uh, to help my mom. And then being back in Indiana then reconnected me to both Westfield um, and coaching. Yeah. Um, and then I saw some people I knew in Indianapolis. I was living in Indianapolis. There was a training group, and I saw a girl I knew, um, Laura Farley. Uh, she, you know, they were training for marathon, and they were going after this goal, the Olympic trials, which I didn't even know existed. And I just, I don't know. I was like, I can do that. I, I think I can do that. And that's ultimately just, that's it. I just, just decided that's what I was going to do and joined a group here in Indianapolis. I started out with uh, personal best training with Matt Ebersall. Uh, he was my first, I guess, coach after, you know, running collegiately and ran my first marathon in 2012, Monumental. Uh, shout out. And and what place did you get in 2012? Uh, I, did, I was fortunate enough. And it was an earlier marathon at that time. <laughs> hey, um, no, there are no asterisks here. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I was fortunate to win my first marathon and ran 245. Now, this was after the qualifying. So 2012 Olympic trials had already happened. So mm-hmm. I had to then wait until 2016. Uh, and the qualifying window wasn't open at that time. So I had to wait until, so it was 2012. I ran Twin Cities the next year, 2013, and officially got the qualifying standard for 2016. I ran 241 in Twin Cities. And then uh, in 2014, I chose to pursue another coach in Colorado and had uh, family friends, the Martin family. They're running family in Westfield area. And they had family in Boulder who I lived with and trained with a group out there. My coach was Brad Hudson uh, in Boulder. And uh, in 2014, then I ran Chicago, uh, where my PR still stands, which is crazy. It's like almost 10 years ago, um, which is 2040 and 12 seconds. So I never went below that 1240 barrier or the 240, uh, 240 barrier. So that's still a goal. That's still a goal um, as a master's runner now. Um, Hell yeah. I love to hear that. So I, I'd like to. I don't know if my body will, I don't know if my body can do it in terms of not not that I wouldn't put the work in. I just don't. I'll be 42 in June. And I, again, I know there are women my age that have done that. I just, for my, like just my health, I don't, I'm not sure. I'd like yeah. to try it. So we'll see. Then, yeah. So I did Chicago, set my PR in 2014. And then I guess, yeah, I didn't race until the trials in 2016, which had been February of 2016. And that was in LA? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. LA. Um, okay. But I want to, I want to go back to mm-hmm. 2012 when you, yeah. so it was your first marathon that you'd ever run. Mm-hmm. You trained with PBT and Indy. Mm-hmm. On the day of the race, did you know that you were in contention to win? Like, did you understand what time was needed to win? You yep. just didn't even think about it. You're just no, like, yeah, were you I an no elite? Idea. Were you an um, elite? What's that? Were you an elite? Like, did you line yeah, up? Yeah, I did. I mean, I started with, I guess, the elite. I did have a, a help with a pacer, uh, John Stewart, Dr. John Stewart, who's in Carmel. Okay. And he was training competitively at the time, and he was a big training partner of mine, and he paced me through 20. Okay. Um, I think we had an idea of what I could probably run based off previous, like, half marathon, 10K yep. workouts. 
I'd have to, I don't even know my splits at this time, but yeah, I think we had an idea. I think it was looking back, I think it was definitely conservative because um, I was nervous about you know blowing up or yeah. So we were just I think we were pretty cautious through three twenty. And were you? What was it like? Were you alone? Yeah, a lot of it. Yeah, I mean, so as, I mean, you know, you, you've you know. Don't even look at me and act yeah. like I would know what that feels no, like. No, okay. no, I'm saying, but like you know, you know the course. You <laughs> yeah. Know, you know. No. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. I, what I still joke with Doctor Stewart about today is he actually left me at mile twenty, which is when there's like nobody around on the yeah. course. You're literally alone. I was like, yeah. thanks, bud. Cool. Um. Yeah. So here I am, the last you know 10k of the race solo. And, you know, and that's obviously, like, for a lot of people, that's, like, the hardest part of the game. Yeah, yeah. And just since your first one, you have no idea what to expect in any way, right? Yeah. Like, what are you going to feel like? What's, what, what are you supposed to do with nutrition? You know, it's yeah, all yeah. a gamble, well, kind yeah. of that first one. And I was just I'm very lucky to get through it. Um, Did you keep looking over your shoulder? Or no, you I mean, like... I knew, I knew at that point that I was lucky again. It wasn't like a race. There was nobody, there were no other females around. Um, so it, it was nice that I didn't have to, I think, be kill yourself. Oh, yeah, I mean, be, like, like stressed about oh, is somebody coming up. Yeah, I could just kind of focus on myself. Just finish. And, just yeah, finish. and just get finished. So, I was lucky in that sense that I was. I knew I was in the lead, and I was probably going to win unless something really crazy bad happened. happened. What so, a yeah. weird feeling! Because I feel like most people, at least I would imagine, most people that are listening to this mm-hmm. aren't winning marathons. That's kind yeah. of the point of this: is yeah. that people are just normal and they're doing crazy things. You're like not necessarily normal, but you're just. I make an exception for you. Yeah. Um, what was it like turning the corner and seeing the finish line and like the tape? Do you remember who was holding the tape? Do you remember? Yeah, actually, yeah. So like, a friend of mine, uh, actually, he and I uh, for years. He so he and I actually were teammates at IU. Uh, John Little is his okay. name, and he was working with Monumental at the time. He may have been the elite coordinator then. Okay. Um, he had the tape because there's a picture actually of him, like catching me kind of at the end because as you, you know, you don't you you don't realize until you've run one that once you cross the line, like your body is like we're done. You know, yeah. it gets you, your brain, I think, gets you to yeah. that line. And then, you know, then, then the body just, yeah. um, I, the one thing that, I did not yeah. expect was just how emotional it was going to be. Yeah. Like, I just, that, I just, you know, it overcame. And not, it wasn't about winning or the time. It was. Your first I mean, marathon. Think, yeah. And I think so many people experience that. Yeah. It, regardless of your totally. time or place. It's yep. like, it's such, I didn't realize until I'd done it, like just the accomplishment of, of doing or completing it. Um. Yeah, so I just remember just being in tears, and that's that could surprise me. I was like, oh, yeah. geez, where did that come wow. from? Yeah. But you put, as you know, you put so much time and energy into the training, just into the process. Like, you know, it's a part-time job, and it's, yeah. you know, and again, just the fatigue and the exhaustion that you put yourself through, um, just that, you know, through 26 miles, it would be, I always thought it'd be interesting to, like, have, like, a, a feed of what the brain is. Oh, Jesus Christ, that would be interesting. Yeah, what the brain is saying. Oh, people during, people would not want to, it, it would just be, I don't know, like yeah. Just, yeah. Like, fucking keep running, you fucking right. idiot. Yeah, there's all kinds of things that go through. <laughs> I don't know, I mean, a lot of efforts. And, but yeah, 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 it's just, you know, you know, you put the time and energy in, and yeah. it's just, it's really emotional once so, that's done. Um, yeah. So, yeah, no, it was, it was cool. Again, I was very unfortunate. Uh, it was neat, you know, I had a lot of family there to see it. I was in my, I have an older brother and I think it was like maybe the second time he's ever seen me run. So it, that was, cool. that was special. Um, for them too, they're probably like, if you didn't really think about winning, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like you went and told them before, like, Hey, yeah, I'm going to try to win this. Yeah. So like be no, there. Was, it yeah. was like, they were probably like, holy shit. Yeah. No, it definitely was <laughs> not the goal. I mean, again, it, that was icing on the cake for sure. Yeah. And I'm competitive, right? Like right, of had course. there been somebody like to chase or to I you know would have 
dumb, oh, I yeah. guess, to, to win yeah. or to beat them. But it was a cool experience. I'm very lucky to have it. Um, so cool. So, yeah, it was neat. It was a and, – and then at that, I think at that time I had realized – because, again, at that point – I did some half marathons, and I think I realized, like, this is my distance. Or, you know, I clearly love and am probably better suited for these longer events. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, just kind of felt like I found found my home in, in that distance. And, yeah. Do you still feel – because last time I talked to you about this mm-hmm. – Probably not the best place to talk about it. It yeah. was at the end of a half, where you ran a half marathon. Oh, and you're like, I don't know if I ever want to do this yeah. again, uh, which is normal. And then five so, minutes later, you're probably yeah. registering no, like, for... So I had the same feeling. So I ran Carmel half marathon a few weeks ago and finished in 128. And which I, I was, you know, I was just happy. Like at this point, you know, I'm always happy just to, to do it and to be out there. And um, But I do remember when I finished the half a few weeks ago. I, so in my... In my PR marathon, I came through the half marathon at 118, and trying to wrap my mind around that was crazy. I was like, I just ran 128 for a half, and I came through in 118 to, you know, and I was like, I don't, I just couldn't fathom how right. I, my body done Did that. that. And, or, or even just, I had forgotten just the amount of time and energy that went into that. I mean, it was, yeah, another life ago, but pretty, well, yeah, it's a pretty strange feeling. Yeah. Well, it's hard because there are just so many seasons of life where you're either, yeah, you're crushing it and running and yeah. something else. Is, right. I don't know. I just feel like the seasons are hard. Yeah, you can. And I mean, I, I again, I've always, I think, been envious of like, like a Desi, right? Like yeah. that's her, that's her life. And that's, you know, again, not that she's not had struggles, or, but like there's part of me that wishes that could have been like just that's what I do or did, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I'm a bit of a gypsy and I like to explore, like to see yeah. new things. I like to try new things. So I just don't think it would ever fit me to just do the one thing all the time. Yeah. But certainly makes it more difficult to get back into it after being away for so long. But again, I, again, I'm very fortunate that in, so after the trials, I got hurt and had to have a procedure done in 2017 on my hamstring. Oh shit. I didn't um, realize that. Mm-hmm. So that's why, so the trials, so explain to like the average person, mm-hmm how that works because I've just now started learning about it only mm-hmm. because I'm now like, working with Monumental like yeah. more in the industry and paying attention mm-hmm. but like for people who don't understand like how does that work and then so what after you qualify mm-hmm. you're at the, were you injured before or after the trials no I mean I had struggled the, so yeah to qualify you have to run um, so there's a standard that um, USATF puts out each uh, window before the, the trial period um, and it changes. So when I qualified for 16, the women's standard, B standard, was 245. Okay. Um, what is it now? It is. So they just lowered it for this upcoming uh, Olympic trials in 2024 in Orlando. It is 237. Okay. So um, there's one standard now for the marathon. Now, you can qualify by running a half as well. That's both men and women. Okay. Uh, there's a half standard and a full. Got it. Um, I think the women's of this may be, you know, maybe 113, sub 113. Okay. Uh, which is, no, like I would rather do a 50 or 100K than I think attempt to run that fast in the half. So there's a standard. Anybody who makes a standard, you know, gets to run in the trials. The tricky part is you might run it three years prior to the actual race. That is interesting. Mm-hmm. So the window is open for? About three years. Uh-huh. Okay. So it's typically the, the standard. Now this is a little different. This is, I think with COVID and everything with the Olympics, being oh, changed, yeah, kinda... the window was ultimately two years this time okay. before, and then Orlando got the bid as the host city. Um, I think there was two years prior before 
when that was released. And what's uh, where was the tri- Where were the trials for when you ran? So at Los Angeles. Los Angeles. So, so it you, aligned. Okay, so you didn't do the LA Marathon. No, correct. Okay, so yep, that's what confused me. Okay, yep. so you where did you qualify? So I qualified in well, I guess technically twice. I ran. Oh right. I t- qualified in Twin Cities and then, and then in, in Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. Okay, got um, it. And then you had to maintain that level of fitness. No, not necessarily. No, there because there are people that show up to the trials that maybe again some women. Uh, at that point, you know, are, are pregnant or had to just have a baby, and they, but they can still run. They're still let to okay. run. And uh, again, same with men. If they had hit the standard three years ago, they could. There was like actually, so there was an article on a guy in LA. He didn't run in like three years. He hit the standard, and just wanted to be it. So we were there, there, you know. So yeah. he was loud. He did it, and I don't even remember what he finished, but it was not fast. So, yeah. so at the trials. Is it like, is it the same, is it around a, tra- it's not around a track, mm-hmm. it's not a marathon, so they have a course, is it mm-hmm. similar to like the LA Marathon no, course? So it's, it's completely, like completely most of the trials courses are on a loop. To, um, okay. It's not uncommon that it's about a 10K loop. Got it. Um, okay. One for spectator purposes, two for just support of the athletes on the course. Yeah, makes sense. Um, so it's, yeah, it's generally about a 10K loop. And they do try to mimic, my understanding is, wherever the Olympics is going to be, they may try to mimic the Olympic conditions. marathon. Yeah, conditions and course. Makes sense. In that, in that, in the trials course. And so when you run at the trials, Mm -hmm. and then is it the top three get to go? Mm -hmm. Yep, top three get to, yep. Mm -hmm. Top three qualify. Um, Again, for most people there, it's, for most people, again, someone like me, just qualifying being being there there was the experience, right? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I mean, um, as a non-professional were you ever right. sponsored? sponsored uh, I was like in so like I guess so a lot of the uh, brands have like a, a like a B team or okay. you know, so yeah, yeah I was with Saucony Hurricanes okay and then I was with Brooks Beasts that's okay. right um, Beasts yeah, now I just yeah. think of that so differently I having know. worked in a running right. store <laughs> yeah so there's yeah again I I don't it's, I've been out it a while don't know if that's those still exist still, yeah but yeah we got uniforms we got stipend for clothing shoes cool um, so there was some support there um, we weren't getting it, it and there was some. Um, some help with travel. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I mean, to an extent I had some help, which so was really cool. nice. And so, so you said you were talking, started to talk about your procedure with the hamstring. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was fortunate. I got through a, a Los Angeles trials. I, I, my, I think was just lucky. I think my, my body got me through that race. How many people are there? They were close to, I want to say 400. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. It was, okay. again, I think part of the reason, again, they have changed or dropped the standard was to, to kind of, yeah bring it to a little bit smaller of a field Um, but it was very hot so it was unfortunate that most marathons start in the morning well they thought it was a great idea in LA to start I I think we started at like 10 or 11 that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard for television purposes because you know because everyone watches that right no offense so many people tuned in yeah um (laughs) so it was hot I mean it was hot and I just remember and I was fortunate that I had trade. I switched coaches. This was not the reason I did it. I just, you know, uh, just things changed, and I ended up uh, training with Steve Magnus down in Texas. Um, and again, I hate the heat, but I was yeah. in Texas, and yeah. I was again. There was no plan to be like, oh, I'm going to train in hot weather because, like, it just I. That's just what I did, and it turned out to be probably one of the best things that ever happened. Because um, there, it pe- so many people dropped out of that race. Oh, I can only imagine. Um, because I, I don't remember. It was definitely in the eighties for a good part of the race. Um, there was no cloud cover, and we we're just like you know on black asphalt for a lot of the race. Um, 
And that's, that's so USA ATF didn't have water. You'll love this. Um, it was so poorly done um, that in, I guess, in 2020 when um, Atlanta hosted, like Atlanta with the ops, they like knew that they had to do a better job and it was phenomenal and well executed. They had sponges, so they did, it was so bad that somebody had bought sponges with soap in them because they were in there passing those out because they thought they were just sponges with water. Wait, you can buy sponges that already have soap? Like, apparently. Wow, that's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. But not for a runner. No, not when you're, you know, <laughs> 16 miles in and it's 80 plus degrees Great, And you outside. just want that all over you yeah. and then you have mm-hmm. soap in your fucking eyes. Yeah, it was terrible. Great. Uh, so again, people were just dropping. I remember just, it was surreal to be running and just, I mean, I remember seeing like elites, like top runners at the time, just walking on the side of the street. It was, you know, like, what, like, what, like, what is happening? I'm still running. And I, I couldn't give you any names, but, you know, people clearly yeah. faster than me were just, just walking. Well, yeah. I can't even – my body does not do well in the heat. No. I can't imagine that. Um, again, I think one of the only things that saved me was training in Texas for yeah, a long period goodness. of time. So, yeah, I was fortunate. I finished 30th there. Holy shit, that's was, great. Yeah. No, I was excited. Like, again, that was like – I ran 243, which, again, I was pleased with given the conditions. Yeah. Um, it's frustrating. As you know, you're like, you, you want the time. Yeah, of course. Right? And – you could say what if, like you could vert, you could do a, like a heat conversion, and I think it was like sub two forty, but you know, right, it doesn't of course, count. but it doesn't matter. So that's yeah. that was frustrating, but again, I felt lucky that I still had a really good race on the day in in the conditions yeah. that were. Wow. Um, okay, so then you had your hamstring thing. Yep, I didn't run for yeah. I, I, again, at that point, my body I think just kind of shut was down. Was done. Yeah. What was that? So you had to have a. Did your hamstring, like, tear? Or yeah, what I had a small of... tear. Uh, okay. It's called, I guess, high hamstring tendinopathy. Whoa. Um, I okay. went to chiropractor, acupuncture, dry needling, just I, everything. And then finally connected with a group out in Colorado in Vail. And they okay. specialize in doing, uh, they work with a lot of skiers. Um, oh. And they do procedures now. It, so PRP is more common. It's a little less invasive. Okay. Um, and it's becoming now more popular all over. So you can do PRP, I think, here in Indianapolis. What's that mean? I'm not entirely sure, but I know they, so the process I essentially, I'm completely simplifying this, but they draw your blood. Okay. And use, and they process somehow, and then they use your own blood. They re-inject it into the Oh, yeah, yeah. I've heard, I've heard of that. To help, yep. um, I guess, kind of create healing. Mm-hmm. So I was in Vail, and so a little more invasive procedure is stem cell. Um and they're like, you know, you're here. This is pr- like PRP maybe takes a few times. And they, get, yeah. they were like, you flew out here. Are you okay to do stem cell? I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> I have no idea what <laughs> Whatever you're Whatever you got. Yeah. Well, so stem cell, I, again, I know now, uh, probably had I thought through it. Again, I was by myself um, out in Vail. Like, yeah. And was planning to catch a flight the next day. And turns out, so what stem cell is, um, essentially they strap me down to the table. Um, fate, you know, I was on my stomach, uh, and I, again, I had no, I just, I'm an idiot. I don't ask questions. I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, let's do it. Just, yeah, no cool. research. Sure. Uh, yeah. So they drill, they use a drill and they went into two space, uh, spots, my pelvic, my pelvis in the back, um, in, in with through bone marrow, um, and then process the bone marrow. And then they use this incredibly like long needle and then they inject that into like, they go all the way into, like, deep into the hamstring tendon. Okay, that's all we need to know about that, yeah. Whitney. Mm-hmm. What the hell? Yeah. What? Yeah. Were you, a, you weren't no, asleep? No, I was awake. Uh, uh, and, and they can only... What? Yeah, it's crazy. Did so it anyway, work? 
It did. Okay, thank did. God. Yeah. No, yeah, luckily. Because uh, I would not go. I don't think I'll ever go through that again. Well, that sounds like, yeah, mm-hmm. that sounds mm-hmm. really horrible. Yeah, it was fun. So, yeah. But anyway, I didn't run for a long time. After that. Yeah. And, well, yeah, I couldn't run for a full year. So, this was 2017 oh, when wow. I had the procedure. Okay. Um, and, and then, you know, of course, then in post-procedure, that takes time. And then and, you got to build your fitness. Yeah. So, at that up. point, I'd just been away from it for a long time and really struggled again I had left my training group was back in Indianapolis and I think it was struggling to I don't know I didn't know what I wouldn't do with running at that point anymore Mm -hmm. because you know in when I was in Colorado I just had a bunch of people to run with all the time and it was easy to get out the door and I think probably again similarly but not as bad I was probably struggling with some depression after the procedure not again not being able to run for a long time um and so I was fortunate in 2019, I got a call from my former high school coach, and he just asked, he said, we need a chaperone at our camp. Are you by chance available? We need a female chaperone. I was like, yeah, I, yeah, I can do that. I was working at a school at the time, so my schedule finally aligned professionally, I guess, to help be able to help coaching. And after camp, he's, he just asked if I want to continue working with the team. And yeah, like, yeah, sounds great. And so I became an assistant at Westfield for two years. And then uh, when he stepped down, he handed the program over to me. And so kind of that was, I guess, kind of my next, I guess, next chapter mm-hmm. in, in running uh, was becoming a coach. It was an incredible experience. Um, how did you, did you, how did you learn how to be a coach? I feel like, I don't know, we talk a lot about just as a society with yeah. like imposter syndrome, right? Like clearly for somebody like you who has then... I mean, you already were a great athlete when you were mm-hmm. in in school and then obviously won a marathon, you know, qualify for the Olympic trials. Mm-hmm. So clearly you've got some experience, but that's not the same as like no. coaching. Dude. So could you talk about like how did you mimic some of what your coach yeah. did well? Did you, how did you kind of um, Yeah, I mean, I was, again, I was fortunate. He was a good mentor. Um, and he, again, he was my high school coach too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was probably the, probably the hardest part for me was being an elite athlete because I really struggled relating sometimes to some of the girls and they're, you know, I'm just, I'm not so competitive. competitive. Yeah. yeah if like, they're not know, as competitive, I'm, you're like, <laughs> right. I'm like, I, yeah. So I, it, that took me time to learn and to get better at, cause I'm just like, mm-hmm. you just go run, you just go run hard. Like it's not, it's not yeah. that hard. That, that was, well, it's a work in progress, right? Like, I don't know that I ever mastered it, but I definitely got better. And that was a piece where I had to step away from, I, I think there were so many assumptions in my mind. I just, for so long did things just, I just did it, right? Like, yeah. you just, I knew how to put my body through discomfort. Uh, I knew how to push myself. Um, I just, there were so many things I just did automatically that I didn't know I had to say Get people in. to do. Or, yeah, yeah. Or, or even, yeah, communicate it. So I think, again, I brought a lot of experience. I had a lot of experience that was valuable. I had to learn, to, I think, how to share it and communicate it. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of imposter syndrome, like, in a predominantly male What's the word I'm looking for? Industry. Thank you. Yeah. You know, high school athletics still are, and running is no different. There, where I was excited, I thought, here I am. Like, I mean, this is finally a place I belong. I was met with more, what's the word? Not resistance. Like um, bias or not? Um, um, no, insecurity. Again, I was excited. Like, I have all this value or this, you know, I, you know, I have a lot of, back, I'm a dietitian. Yeah, you're like, right? this is my jam. Yeah. Like, I'm, you know, I in, I I've here. really found yeah. a lot of male coaches were actually insecure. They were intimidated. 
I guess, I, by my experience, um, by the ability, the fact that I could even run with athletes still. And, you know, we're, so I was excited. I was completely naive to that uh, fact that a lot of male coaches were, were not going to be nearly as excited as I thought they were that I was on staff and was just met with a lot of, um, it was just not what I had hoped for. Yeah, I think they were just, I could be at a table with a bunch of male coaches and they would talk amongst themselves and they would never ask me a question. Uh, like, what do you think about this? What would you do? And I don't even know if they were aware of it, yeah, that they were even not. doing it. So I was just, that was not what, I was just different than what I expected yeah. in terms of being a, again, I love coaching. I love my athletes. But in terms of being a, a, a colleague with mostly male coaches, I, that, I was surprised by that. Yeah. Um, and again, two things that maybe some didn't even, weren't aware, but there was definitely a lot of insecurity there that I've experienced. A lot of just ego yeah. You know, you're a female and I don't know. Well, know. based on, I mean, based on the conversations we've had while we work mm-hmm. at the running store together, I mean, your girls, you have mm-hmm. really done a lot for, so. for your girls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now your f- future holds, mm-hmm. you're going to go off on your own yep. and do mm-hmm. some more coaching. So actually, mm-hmm. Whitney mentioned we were already together for a few hours today. We were brainstorming about growing a coaching business for mm-hmm. her. And doing some stuff with your love of animals, which now yeah. we're like almost out of time. I know. Because I want to talk about like mm-hmm. all the dogs you have, oh, yeah. <laughs> your love of dogs, mm-hmm. um, and then a little bit about what you're dreaming about for your yeah, what's I, coming. I mean, yeah, I think that's hard. Is, um, I, yeah, two nicks that I don't know, and that's why I asked Allie for help is just in kind of helping me bridge that gap from here's an idea and how to execute it. And again, that's what she's really, that's why she has this podcast. I wouldn't even know how to work this microphone without her. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of, yeah, I, we're kind of brainstorming. I, I know I love coaching. I, again, obviously my, most of my experience was with half marathon marathon. So I'd like to build a client base there. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of experience again with mental health and again, even as a dietitian, uh, I have experience with running and eating disorders, um, and I feel like just I have a gift in connecting with, especially again at this point, my in coaching. You know, I've worked mostly with high school athletes, so you know I've been able to I think beyond coaching running, I've been able to use a lot of kind of my past uh, mental health things, and again my my dietitian profession to work with a lot of athletes on that have struggled with eating disorders mm-hmm. or struggling with depression, anxiety, mm-hmm. uh, in a way that maybe a lot of coaches wouldn't be able to do. Um, I feel very grateful for those relationships that aren't just about running. And I think a big thing I've always done and promote with my girls is using running as an outlet for, again, some of those emotions, um, Mm -hmm. some of that anxiety, using the running to help, again, whether it's through healing or using running to express themselves in a, you know, in a healthier way. Um, so again, feel fortunate that some of my own struggles have been able to help other other girls, mm-hmm. and I'd like to continue that through coaching. It's interesting because I think back to being in high school. For me, I was I had all of the confidence in the world, mm-hmm. and I wish I could have bottled that up and have it now because mm-hmm. I feel like I relate a lot to what we're talking about now. Maybe in my college years was when I really started to feel insecure. I, I mm-hmm. mentioned that in my first episode, and then now like. I don't know how people don't have anxiety. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, for me, I have now really come to terms with my anxiety. I don't know that I've ever truly struggled with depression, but mm-hmm. definitely some postpartum stuff after sure. having my mm-hmm. first kid in particular. Yeah. But, you know, going to therapy, being on, on medication, 
has helped greatly. But I will say too, like I am right there with you in that running is such a positive outlet for me. Mm -hmm. Like if I, and I'm actually like seeing someone tomorrow because I think I'm maybe injured, I'm in denial. Mm -hmm. But it hurt and then it didn't hurt. And I'm like, maybe it's not an injury, mm -hmm. but I'm still gonna get it checked out just to make sure so that, I, cause I, you know, the idea mm -hmm. that I wouldn't be able to run right. is terrifying because mm -hmm. I have to use it for that. Right. Um, so um, if anyone's interested in talking to Whitney about coaching, um, she is on Instagram as at Coach Bevins. Just shoot her a note over there. I can also, I'll put it in the mm -hmm. in the show notes. I feel yeah. so fancy when Thank I say that. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna put that in the show notes. <laughs> oh yeah. I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> if you, you know hopefully where to get those. Um, <laughs> yeah, how do I find it? Oh, you just don't have to worry about it. Okay. It's a link to your own profile, so you're good. <laughs> um, Okay, and then so so dogs too. So yes. a weird transition there, but Ooh. I well they have to provide you so much love. Yes. Oh yeah. my gosh, how yeah. many dogs do you have in your home Currently right now? Five. Jesus. Currently five. Christ. It's a rotation. Um, yep, five at the moment. Kind of just depends on what comes my way. I did just turn down. I was asked to foster a senior dog, and I just felt like I was at capacity. Um, uh, I, I would I think that's a good mm -hmm. good call there. Yeah. yeah. So I have two Chihuahuas, two Corgis, and currently Rosemary Bear, who's this old Australian mix that I took on and she just exists. She's lovely. But so yeah, there's five currently. And yeah, I do. So I don't, I don't have children. So uh, I guess I'm, you know, I'm the cliche dog mom, but they do. Like I can't imagine life without them. And they, yeah, they're in their own way. They're healing, right? They kind of yeah. sense when you need something. And again, when I walk in the door, they're excited. And um, there's, I can't imagine walking into my home with without no dogs there. Um, yeah. Do they sleep with you? I can't remember. Oh, yeah. Four All of them? them? Do. Okay, four, four, four of them. Do. Does Rosemary Bear, can she yeah, not get Rosemary up on the Bear, bed? Yeah, no, she can't get on the bed. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Two Chihuahuas and two Corgis sleep with me. It's, I think it's amazing. Uh, I can't speak, you know, for anybody else. I don't know that anybody else would love Fit. that. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, but I love it. I mean, it's like, yeah, super cozy and, uh, you know. Yeah, so it's, I again, I love it. But I could see why. I could see why a lot of people wouldn't want four dogs in their bed. Yeah. I can see, I can see that too. I mean, as somebody who like tries to keep my children out of my bed, it's mm -hmm. like, how could you? I mean, yeah. it's hard enough sleeping with my husband, for God's sake. Right. Like he <laughs> sleeps diagonally, and I'm like, dude, can I just have my my? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, okay. So we have to sadly yes. wrap this up, which sucks yeah. because yeah. I feel like these conversations are too short. They're just I mm -hmm. could talk all day, and there's so many things I could ask I you about. Well, the thank you. Yeah. Well, so. yeah. Um, so I have a couple questions yes. for the end, okay. and so one is a mantra, mm -hmm. like a running mantra or song or mm -hmm. both, what you got for me? Uh, I don't run with music. What? Um, nope. What uh, the hell? Christy, <laughs> who was, yeah, my last episode, she doesn't either. And mm -hmm. I like, don't get it. Yeah. I, I, uh, yeah. I can't run with music. I mean, I, I could, I guess I just don't, I just haven't. Um, I, wow, that's fascinating. I think I, one, I don't know. I just have to be so in tune with my breathing and okay. kind of what my body's doing. Um, that I have run with you before, and um, but I just I found I am not fully, and this is just me, like able to be in tune with kind of what my body is doing um, okay. during a run. Cool. Um, so Maybe to get faster, I need to not exactly. run with music. Yeah. Jeez. No, no, no. I, I I know people love it. It's probably great. Like I just did a 13 mile run a few days ago. I was like, this is so boring. Um, and I was yeah. like, oh, maybe, yeah, music may have been helpful. Um, no, I will if I'm on a treadmill. I'll like okay. just have music next to the channel. Yeah. And partly, so I'm kind of, I don't like things on your on my head. Oh, so like right now, this is not cool. No, no, this is okay. okay. But like if I'm running, I don't like, I'm kind of weird about things and what's touching me while I'm running. So that may yeah, be part okay. of it too. 
Okay. Um, I don't... I don't know. I don't mantra. Do yeah, have mantra. One. Well, we talked about, I remember when we first, at the running store, we did some like yep. bits together for mm-hmm. Instagram about wisdom. And I still will think about mm-hmm. the like, um, I don't know what you want to call it. Like the, almost like the road trip game where it's like mm-hmm. one, every mile you look yeah. like A, you look for mm-hmm. like apples or like, right. I don't know what the fuck, you're not see apple. But I use that now, like yeah. if I'm doing longer runs mm-hmm. to distract my mind sure. from some of that stuff. Yeah. So. I, yeah. I mean, I'll have to come up with, I guess there's nothing that's. Well, what so, are you, what's on the reel then? We talked about like, well, what if you could see in your mind what people, oh, cause gosh. you're saying, oh, you can't do this. And um, then you're saying you are the best or like how, do, what goes on in so your mind? So for me, it's, it's a transfer of pain, I think. Oh, that's right. We also talked about yeah. that. I like that too, mm-hmm. even though it's kind of Yeah, weird. it's a little dark. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we do another episode. Yeah, it, oh, yeah. There's some darkness. Uh, no, I, but yeah, I, for me, it's about being able to take either, again, maybe pain from whatever personal thing or just even again, kind of heal, dealing with my depression and um, running is, a, I think, for me, a, a way of, again, transferring pain from something else into mm-hmm. that. And then mm-hmm. even within a run, I will, I think we talked about this, I'll yeah, we did. slap my leg or I'll grab a rock or something and create discomfort in Start another pounding, area. Start pounding it on your <laughs> leg. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or it's, just squeeze it. But yeah, it's a it is a little, it is a little um, dark. But, it's but so, I get it. Yeah, but if it's like my, I'm so uncomfortable in this workout, I try to create pain someplace else to... I don't know, to take away from the discomfort of the run. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's basically just a distraction. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something I probably do regularly. Uh, breathing, I've, I've learned, and, and something, I again, I work with on athletes is um, something that's helped me a lot as a runner is cadence. Uh, oh, right, yeah. And just my steps. So that's mm-hmm. something I still, I think even though it's more natural for me now, is something I, I think I still work on. Well, ever since you and I have met, I've been trying to work on that too. Mm-hmm. Like that, you know, the metronome app yeah. and like mm-hmm. stuff like that. So yeah, Whitney, gosh, we didn't even get into your time, like working for New Balance and like yeah. the form schools. I mean, well, you'll be back on at some okay. point. Yeah, we'll, like, cause yeah, we'll, we'll just continue this. We can do, yeah, there's a whole Whatever. Thing. There's we so can, many. Yeah. So we'll just like interject Whitney every once in a while for her wisdom because she has a lot of it. And okay. So final thing, what, mm-hmm. what's next in terms of the next finish line or milestone for um, you? It's a good question. So I, I, again, I put myself on a race. I realize I, I need to do that. So I'm running the mini. Again, I would say for me, it's not competitive. I'm very weird about, like, I, I typically don't like to race unless I... I'm going to win. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or, I mean, yeah. I, li- I get it. Yeah. I'm competitive. Um, so Except I can't win, so... I am running the mini. Um, so it'll be just like another stepping stone. Anything after that, it'll be actually putting like a marathon on the calendar. So I think right now I'm actually going to be um, working with and representing Liam and uh, Reese Kelly Foundation. Oh, cool. Um, for Monumental. Um, they were two athletes at West Wales Coaching who uh, passed <sighs> so away. Great. And um, so the Liam and Reese Kelly Foundation um, has a group in the marathon. And it, I, yeah, I will All be, right. I think, running. Well, there you go. So. You said it. Yep. That's that's really so, cool. But what happens between now and, and then, I'm, I'm sure there'll be some races on the calendar, yeah. but nothing official yet. Cool. While we at the mini, I actually mm-hmm. shout out to Bottle Works Hotel. Oh, yeah. I get a parents' night oh. out. Zach and I are going to stay downtown at Bottle Works. We're yes. going to go to the garage. Okay. Have you been there? Yeah. For like pizza mm-hmm. and beer and then like mm-hmm. just stay at the hotel and awesome. go over to the star. I've never stayed downtown the yeah. night before the mini. What? So I'll love you. Perfect. I know. Good so I'm you. super pumped. No okay. kids. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure I'll see you. Okay. You'll like be done way bef- before yeah. me, but maybe I we know. can share a beer at, at the finish we'll, line. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I've got some Westfield <laughs> athletes that are, um, their track seat will be done, so they're actually going to do the mini. Um, so I'll, I'll see them there. I don't know. We haven't talked about if I'll, if I'll run with them or just kind of, you know, see them at the start. Yeah. But I think, you know, that'll be fun. 
for them and, and for me to see them kind of experience this, experiencing them, you know, the mini, the, the, so the mini, going, I know we're almost done, but the mini marathon, yeah. my dad, I ran it, I was, I think, 12 years old, um, was my first half marathon. And you ran with your dad? No, he, oh, no, he, he ran ahead, yeah, ahead, and he just left me, but, um, <laughs> but he signed me up yeah. and got me there, and yeah. I ran it. Uh, I think I ran 148. Um, wow. And so you're like one of those kids that passed me in the I, mini. I, because that's I guess, the worst when you yeah. get passed. I mean, it's hard enough getting passed by like somebody who's old, but like getting passed by a kid, you're just like, God. yeah, it's hilarious. Like I think my hair was down. Oh, I'm sure. I yeah, had, I, I believe the uh, long at the time it was like a long sleeve cotton shirt. It was a race Perfect. shirt. Yep. Umbros. Um, of course. Because there were no running clothes back. Yeah. You know, in right. the early 90s. Yeah. Um, for especially someone you know my age. Yeah. Or you know. So anyway, yeah. So the mini's always been a special thing for me. I think, you know, for a lot of people in the Yeah, Indians. I'm so excited. So, yeah. It'll be Hopefully fun. we have good weather. I've been stocking it. Yeah, yeah, fingers crossed. It's so hit or miss. And, okay, so another milestone, too, is the launch of your website. We're going to get there. The we will do it. The launch of your website. Oh, yeah. Because we're going to do it. Okay, yeah. And I was hoping that. Yeah, yeah There's a words. lot of ideas, <laughs> a lot of things in the works, and there usually are. Yeah, I, again, I'd like to... I like to run with dogs. We're talking about how to maybe expand that my little indie, 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 indie dog jogger. Is yeah. That yeah. Help me with She'll run with your dog. I love um, that idea. My yep. dog definitely needs to yep. do that. At least get so, home. Yeah. Well, yeah. We'll see. We're figuring it out again. You know, you never quite feel like you're, you've got it figured out. And I'm a testament to that. Yeah. Well, so. if anyone has it figured out, please like let me know <laughs> yeah, how, you, how you did that. Because I don't know how people yeah, have it figured out. So, no, so. but yeah, I'm a master's runner now. Um, you've got a few years to go. I know. I'm ready for that so that I can, like, maybe mm-hmm. qualify for something because yeah. i got to get older because yeah. I guess I'm in, like, the most competitive age range right yeah. now, which I didn't know. So okay. I'm like, well, great. No wonder. Yeah. Well, I was a little crushed. Uh, the um, master's record at Monumental is actually one of the fastest times ever run. It was run by Colleen Durauk in uh, maybe 2013. Uh, and she was for, I don't, she was in her early 40s when she ran uh, 236. Dang. So I was like, shoot. Okay, that's a little <laughs> aggressive. That's a little right. aggressive to like, hey, I'm gonna smash my PR by over four minutes. Right, right. Yeah, in yeah. a matter of six months, I gotta get get it ready. Get, for that. We'll get on that. So, it's fine. But oh like, gosh, well, we'll see. Well, we could talk all day, so we better Great. wrap this shit up. Thank uh, you, Ali. Absolutely. I hope you've all enjoyed this conversation with Whitney Bevins, and as always, have a good weekend and happy running. <laughs>